You're listening to The Gary Harris Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. The Gary Harris Show. You see him host Tider Insider TV, Crimson Tide Kickoff, play-by-play for Alabama sports, and sports director for WVUA 23. It's time for The Gary Harris Show on your home for Alabama sports, Tide 100.9, and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. All right, let's do this. Welcome into the Gary Harris Show for this Thursday, October 12, 2023. I'm your host, Gary Harris, right there on the other side of the glass. I've got Justin Jones manning the controls and taking your phone calls on the First and Main Condominiums hotline at 205-342-9904. We're jam-packed today. Got a good show on tap. We'll run it down for you here in just a second. But first, I want to tell you about this first-hour sponsor, Alabama Credit Union. Convenience and savings make life better. The ACU Lifestyle Account. Learn more now at alabamacu.com or get by and see them on one of their many locations. I think it's 34 locations around the state of Alabama and one in Pensacola, Florida. Alabama Credit Union. Loans for real life. Some rules and restrictions do apply. See if you're eligible for membership, then join today and feel good about your money. And put a little extra change in your pocket. All right, here is the rundown for today at 9.30. It's the coach, Ellis Johnson, former Alabama, Auburn, Mississippi State, South Carolina, defensive coordinator, head coach at Southern Mississippi. As a uh, football coach, he coached a lot of different places and with a lot of terrific head coaches including Gene Stallings and Steve Spurrier. We'll visit with the coach at 9.30 to break down SEC football. Then at 10 o'clock, it's the Falcons report with D. Orlando Ledbetter, the longtime Falcons beat writer for the AJC and the Atlanta Journal-Constitution and the AJC.com. And then at 10.30, Johnny Cogden, ABC 3340, pinch hitting for my pal Jeff Spiegel. So we'll keep it with the uh, ABC 3340 crew, but it'll be Johnny Cogden in this morning at 10.30 to talk some ball with us as well. Your phone calls, as I said, are welcome on the First and Main Condos Hotline, 205-342-9904. That's the number. If you want to give us a ring, we'd love to hear from you this morning as always. Also, Nick Saban held his Wednesday evening post-practice media conference on Wednesday night, and we'll have some of those clips ready to go this morning for you as well. So we're off and running at 9.03. Let's go ahead and adjust and hit him up with some Wednesday morning headlines here on the Gary Harris Show. Well, the Atlanta Braves won 104 games. They were a dominant team during the regular season, and there's no doubt about it, um, looked like a World Series favorite most of the year. But baseball is a long game, a long season, and the Braves pitching started to kind of unravel toward the end of the year. Injuries left and right, including to Charlie Morton, who's not available for the divisional series. Uh, Mike Soroka, it goes on and on and on. Kyle Wright. And so this Braves pitching staff really came down to two key guys, Spencer Strider and, um, oh, help me out. Just in my mind just went blank with uh, Max Freed. There we go. Yeah, I've got a Remember these things. Uh, those two, and then Freed has not uh, been back that long. And uh, the results are the Braves are short on pitching. And it showed up last night in the Game 3 of the National League Divisional Series at Philadelphia. Bryce Elder got the start, and he had been trending in the wrong direction. He got wore out last night. The Phillies bombed the Braves 10-2. to So tonight, or this afternoon, Phillies playing for a spot in the National League Championship Series, and the Braves are playing for a opportunity to get it home for a Game 5. It doesn't look promising. Atlanta's been outplayed in this series completely. They're very fortunate, to be honest with you, um, that they're still playing. 
A miracle comeback in game two is the only reason the Braves are even in this series. But they're doing better than the Dodgers. Dodgers won over 100 games and got swept out of the other National League Division Series by the upstart Arizona Diamondbacks, 4-2 to two in Game 3. And uh, they joined the Orioles from the American League, getting swept after winning 100 games or plus. And as I said, the only thing that saved the Braves from a sweep was winning a miracle Game 2. Also, Houston beat Minnesota in the American League Divisional Series to win that series three games to one. The Astros advance as well. So it'll be... The Astros in the American League already advancing to the American League Championship Series. And, uh, of course, they have done that now seven consecutive years. So what does that do? Well, it's one short. The Braves hold the all-time record for advancing to a championship series. The Braves did it eight consecutive times with part of those great teams of the 90s. The Astros have now advanced to the American League Championship Series for the seventh consecutive time. And they'll get the other Texas team, the Texas Rangers in the ALCS. So the ALCS is set, Rangers and the Astros. And in the National League Series, you're going to have the six-seed Diamondbacks possibly playing the number four-seed Phillies. And if the Braves don't come back and win that series, that will mean that not a single number one seed will have even advanced to the championship series. The Rangers are the five-seed in the American League. And the Astros are the two seed. So the number one seed, Orioles are out. And the number one seed, Braves, are on the verge of being out. Not only that, the number two seed in the National League, the Dodgers, are out as well. So it's um, postseason's just different, isn't it? Isn't it? Over 162 games, uh, you see the best teams usually play out and win the divisions. But once you get into short playoff series, man, it's... Uh, it's touch and go, to say the least. Speaking of the Braves, and um, Bryce Harper tormented them last night with two home runs and then did a stare down on Orlando Arcia when he went around second base, the Braves shortstop, who um, had said some things in the Braves locker room about Harper getting picked off to end the game, two in Atlanta. And... Um, it was like, ha, 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 attaboy, Harper, several times in the Braves locker room. Well, Arcia doesn't even speak English, really. He has an interpreter when he talks. But some reporter heard it and reported it. And, uh, you know, I got the Phillies all worked up. And, um, you know, there you go. And uh, so he had to do a stare down. But, um I don't think, again, what happens in the locker room kind of used to stay in the locker room, but not anymore. Um, and that's um, that's just the way it is. But the Phillies are filling their oats. They took the Braves out last year, and they're on the verge of doing it again. Of course, Alabama football continues preparations for the homecoming game this Saturday morning, 11 a.m., against the Arkansas Razorbacks and Alabama is a huge favorite in that game. I think I heard Wimpen Berry say it's up to 20 points now. Uh, and that's a lot of points when you consider Alabama doesn't score that many points. But uh, their defense has been really good, and we'll see what happens on Saturdays. As I said, we've got the Nick Saban clips from last night's press conference, and uh, we'll play those for you this 
morning here on the show. High school football getting ready for a big number week as the uh, number uh, week number seven as the season is already winding down. Hard to believe, but we talked about it. Once it gets here, it goes fast. High school football will be getting ready for the state playoffs here in just about three weeks. That is unbelievable. So that's a check of some headlines. It's nine oh nine here on the Gary Harris Show, and we're going to jump out on the first and main condominiums hotline and start the show off this morning with Chris. Hey, good morning, Chris. Hey, good morning, Gary. Love your show, man. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, man. Well, I got a question for you, two questions, really. So, in your opinion, uh, just looking at this year's Alabama football team, you know, what is the one area or one unit you see yourself saying, yeah, that can cost us another game? And then outside of, you know, Alabama football, looking at Georgia, you know, uh, who is the presumed favorite for another national title, um, who do you think outside of the SEC is Georgia's biggest threat this year? And I'll hang up and listen. I appreciate it. All right, Chris. First of all, on uh, Alabama, um, I think it's just execution or, or lack thereof. I mean, I, I think we're seeing enough of this team now to know that they are very talented. Uh, this is a team that's got um, – a huge ceiling. I don't think they've they. I think they're getting better every week, but they were fortunate to get out of College Station with a win. When you look at all the mistakes that were made in that game, I mean, when you're talking about fourteen penalties for right at a hundred yards, pre-snap penalties, nine of them, two turnovers, both in your own territory. Or wait, what? Check that one in one in your own territory. Yeah, they wrote, and 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 I think they're both in their own territory. And um, so, self-inflicted wounds, I think, is what cost Alabama. If Alabama plays clean, they're going to be tough for anybody to handle. I I, I believe that they're going to be tough for anybody to handle because um, you know the quarterback Milrose coming into his own, and the defense is getting stingy. The offensive line is getting better. Um, Burton's developed into a go-to wide receiver. I think they've got some wide receiving depth. I know they need to get the running game going. It was tough against A&M, the way A&M played, plus with their talent up front. But uh, I, I think it's more about Alabama than it is the opponent, is my point, Chris. I think if Alabama plays well, uh, they're going to run the table. I, I believe that at this point. I picked them to go 11-1 in the preseason, uh, with their only loss being A&M. Now, they lost to Texas and beat A&M, but I, I still think they can go 11-1. And get to Atlanta, but if you don't play clean, and uh, and I don't, I'm not saying it's going to be easy because it's not going to be because this is a team that's not. I don't, I don't think they're going to score, you know, forty plus points very often. But if they play clean, I think they'll beat everybody on the schedule. They don't. If they don't get it cleaned up, and you keep having all these penalties, and you make mistakes, and you have costly turnovers, you can get beat again. Not once, maybe, but maybe even twice. So. Um, they got to take care of their own business. As far as Georgia, outside of the SEC, you know, it's it's so hard for me to analyze all of these teams from these other conferences when I'm just watching tidbits here on, on you know, TV every weekend. I think it's hard for everybody. I think sometimes we look at these um, we look at these teams and we see them one week and we think, man, that team's loaded. Uh, and then you see them two weeks later and they're struggling. So, uh, but I mean, you have to look toward the top of the rankings. I will say this. There are some really good teams out there this year that I think can play with Georgia or play with anybody else. And we've still got a lot of undefeated teams right now. That's, that's something that, you know, when you look at the, the top eight in the Associated Press top 25 poll, they're all unbeaten right now. And that could change, but you got Georgia. 
Michigan, Ohio State, Florida State, Oklahoma, Penn State, Washington, and Oregon. All undefeated before you get to a one-loss team with Texas. <clears throat> and then you get USC at number 10, and they're unbeaten. Alabama's 11th uh, with a loss. North Carolina's 12th, and they're unbeaten. So I think that Georgia's good, but I think there's a lot of teams that on a given afternoon or evening can play with, with Georgia. I mean, I, I I think Michigan can. I think Ohio State can. I think Florida State can. I really like what I've seen from Oklahoma. Penn State's kind of a sleeper in the two Pac-12 teams with Washington and Oregon. I think any of those teams have the potential to play with the Georgia Bulldogs. I just don't see Georgia as being, even though they clock Kentucky, I don't see them as just being this dominant mega force right now. In other words, can they win the national championship? Absolutely. Are they the favorite? Probably. But I think there's a lot of parity, and I know people get sometimes get tired of hearing that, but I, I really do think there is a lot of parity this year. And there's a lot of teams that if they can get into that Final Four, you know, what happened, regardless of how you feel about a 12-team playoff, which starts next year, this is probably a great year to have it. Because <laughs> I'm telling you right now, uh, I think there's a lot of teams out there that have the potential to win uh, the national championship right now. So I, I'm having a hard time narrowing it down for you because I really can't. Uh, I think there are a lot of threats to Georgia. We'll have to see the other three that get in if Georgia indeed makes it and, you know, appears that they probably will if they go 12 and 0. And uh, even if they were to lose the SEC championship game, I think it'd be difficult to keep them out as the two time reigning national champions and a team that didn't lose until the SEC championship game. But if they make it in, I mean, I, you know, let's say that it's just Michigan or Ohio State that goes. One of those two. I think one of those two could play with them. You know, I think Florida State could play with them. As I've said, so there's a wide open race to that final four right now. And there may be some teams that don't make the final four who are as good or better than teams that do. I think it's a, I think it's a very even year as far as teams that are capable of beating other teams. And, you know, it's one of those deals where if Alabama played Texas next Saturday, <clears throat> I'm not sure Alabama wouldn't beat Texas. But Texas beat them. You got to beat them when you play them is what I always like to say. But there's a, there's a ton of parity out there. I hope that helps you out. I went around the world on it a little bit, but that's my best answer. I think there are several teams that um, potentially could win the national championship this year. It's not one of those years where I look at, you know, there's Alabama and everybody else or Alabama and Georgia and everybody else or, you know, three teams and everybody else. I'm looking at like eight or ten teams that I think are potential national champions in 2023. All right, let's get to the break. It's 916. This hour being brought to you by Alabama Credit Union. we got more phone calls coming in. We'll come back with uh, with that. Also, Nick Saban, a Wednesday evening post-practice press conference. And at the bottom of the hour, the coach, Ellis Johnson, will join us. This is the Gary Harris Show on Tide 100.9 FM and 1230 AM WTBC, your home for Alabama sports. Hey, Crimson Tide fans, if you have an... As much as industry has evolved, it will always be that place to escape and have a good time. Whether it's for a game day weekend, to reminisce on college days, or to create new memories, if you're looking for a good time, there's only one thing to do. Head to the free at 1925 University Boulevard. And don't forget about the Lucky Lunch Meat and 3 special. Monday through Friday from 11 a.m. until 2 p.m., get a meat and 3 vegetables for just $8.49. Or for a lighter appetite, try the Lucky Lunch Soup, Salad, or Sandwich Combo. I'll see you at the free. Life doesn't wait for when your finances are in perfect order. It's 
just happens. But no matter what surprises come your way, Alabama Credit Union will be here to help make it affordable with great personal loans, mortgages, and auto loans. They offer an easy application process and fast decisions so you can stay focused on feeling good about whatever life brings your way. Alabama Credit Union will be here to help make it affordable with great personal loans, mortgages, and auto loans. Alabama Credit Union, loans for real life. Visit alabamacu.com to learn more. Some rules and restrictions apply. See if you're eligible for membership, then join today and feel good about your money. Los Tarascos has been serving Mexican favorites like burritos, fajitas, and quesadillas since 1999. Their new location is at 4100 Owen Parkway in Northport. And of course, you can find Los Tarascos in Tuscaloosa at 110 Skyland Boulevard. The bar areas feature big screen televisions so you can enjoy your favorite sporting events. Los Tarascos features daily happy hour specials. And for the best Mexican cuisine in West Alabama, remember, the name is Los Tarascos with locations in Tuscaloosa and Northport. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. The sky mostly cloudy today, although we might see a few intervals of sunshine this afternoon. The high 72. Tonight and tomorrow, mostly cloudy with a chance of widely scattered showers. The low tonight, 60. The high tomorrow at 73. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 64 degrees in Tuscaloosa. You see him on WVUA 23 covering sports and on Tider Insider TV on Tuesday nights. Don't miss a minute of the Gary Harris Show. Weekdays from 9 to 11 on Tide 100.9. 919, welcome back into the uh, Gary Harris Show. A reminder to... Uh, Download the Tide 109 app, and uh, I guess we could say the Tide 109 app and the 1230 AM WTBC app now, especially for Friday, which is tomorrow, when we do that Bama football trivia contest presented by T-Town Menswear, T-Town Gallery, and University Mall. As I said, we're going to give away a phenomenal, phenomenal print tomorrow, Steve Skipper print, and uh, we're going to do that tomorrow. It is, it is again, just absolutely gorgeous. We've got uh, the process unleashed, hand signed by the artist Steve Skipper and by Eddie Lacy. It's Lacy plowing through the Notre Dame defense. It's um, one of 50 special edition prints, and we're giving that away tomorrow. Download the app. That way, if you can't get through on the phone lines tomorrow, it really worked out well last week with Noah and Justin uh, not only answering phone calls for, for answers to the trivia contest, but also the app sending them in that way. So we, I think we had like 30 qualifiers last week. So we'll do that again tomorrow and, and, uh, got a, uh, text from a friend of mine up in Carbon Hill listening on the app guys and said that, uh, it sounds great. So that's tremendous. All right. Let's jump back out on the first and main condos hotline. And Philip is, uh, next up with us. Uh, good morning, Philip. Good morning. Gary, yeah, the, the, the giveaways that you have are just really. I mean, really, really nice. Second, second to none. In fact, I would say if you're a sports talk station in this state, uh, I don't think anybody's matching what we're giving away when it comes to Alabama football. I don't, I don't think anybody's matching it. Period. Period. Thanks, pal. Um, but I mean, they're beautiful giveaways. But yeah, that's going to be a great print for somebody, and um, look forward to that. But um, and Steve Skipper is, I love his style. Oh yeah, I do too. He is. He, you know, he's named the uh, United States Sports Academy Sports Artist of the Year, and um, just a tremendous artist. And 
Yeah, I, I'm with you. That's uh, I love all the prints that we give away, but when it's a Steve Skipper print, it's a little bit different style, you know, uh, yeah. than Daniel yeah. Moore and Greg Gamble and some yeah. others. And uh, yeah. yeah, I'm with you. It's uh, unique and uh, very, very, very uh, beautiful. Hey Gary, um, change the subject. I, I got. I was just sort of having a little fun the other night at home, and I was thinking about Alabama's schedule next year. Of course, some of the games are set, as you know. Mm-hmm. But I've got Alabama, of course, opening the season uh, with WKU on August 31st. And then we play um, South Carolina. I mean, not South Carolina, USF on September 7th. Then we go to Wisconsin on the 14th. And then I've got Alabama and Georgia opening, uh, you know, coming back after that on the 21st of September. And then I'm predicting we go to Vandy on the 28th. I predict we come back and play South Carolina on October the 5th. I predict we go to Oklahoma on October the 12th. And then I think they'll keep the third Saturday in October intact on the 19th with Tennessee. I've got us going, uh, playing Missouri at home on October 26th. Open November 2nd. At LSU on the 9th. Mercer on the 16th and Auburn on the 23rd of November. Wow, you've put a lot of thought into to this, uh, and you've got it. Uh, you got it all worked out. <laughs> like it's... It, was, it was actually it was actually easy because they'll keep they'll keep they'll keep Oklahoma and Texas probably on that first Saturday in October. They won't mess with it, and they they probably won't mess with Alabama and UT on the third Saturday. So I just I figured we'd play Oklahoma on the twelfth of October out there. Kind of filled in. You just kind of filled in the blanks. Yeah, sounds, yeah. sounds like a, sounds like a good schedule. What was the you had the still had the Iron Bowl as the last game of the regular season, right? <clears throat> I do for now, but I don't think I think going forward, I wouldn't be surprised if that changes. Hmm. Okay. Well, we will we will see. Uh, that's interesting. Of course, I'm hoping they can yeah. navigate this schedule for six more wins and oh, yeah. and get to Atlanta. Oh, yeah. yeah. I was just having a little fun with it. Yeah. But, you know, Alabama's Alabama's in a good spot right now, Gary. I mean, uh, three weeks ago after South Florida, I couldn't have named a team in the top 25 that Alabama realistically could have beaten. Now I can't think of a team that we can't beat. Yeah. It's funny how it can change when you get to, when you start, you know, playing better. And I, and I'm with you. This Alabama team, they can, they can beat anybody they play. I do wish this year was a 12 team playoff. I think it would be exciting uh, because there's a lot of teams, oh, yeah. as I said earlier, I think can win the championship. Hey, always great to hear from you, Philip. Thank you. All right, next up is going to be Joseph, and then we'll get to uh, Mailman Jerry, our uh, football winner from last week. Hey, Joseph, good morning. Good morning, Gary. Hey, buddy. All right, let me ask you something. Okay. Do you believe in the Braves, or you, didn't, uh, you don't think they're going to get it done this year? On who? The Braves. No, I don't think the Braves are going to get it done. I think they're going to lose this afternoon. I um, Pitching is, is just become an issue, and – uh, as much as they dominated the Phillies in the regular season, winning about 14 games, same thing happened last year. I think right now the Phillies are a better club, and I think the Braves are fortunate to still be playing right now. I, I, I don't think they're going to get it done. I hope, I hope I'm wrong, Joseph. Hope they win. Hope they find a way to win this afternoon and get back to Atlanta for a game five and win again. But, uh, uh, I don't, I don't see it. Well, I'll be honest with you, uh, yeah, I hope you're wrong too. Yeah. I'm a big, I'm a big Braves fan, man. I, I really, really hope the Braves deep, deep, deep down and just play like they played towards regular season and blow the Phillies out this game. Yeah, that, I think that, 
I think we all do. All the Braves fans do. But listen, they can win tonight. I mean, I'm not saying that they can't. I just, but if you ask me if I think they're going to make it to the World Series, my answer is, uh, my answer is no. So. Oh, so you, so if they don't lose tonight, you think they lose? No, if they win, now if they win tonight, I think they'll, they could make it to the World Series, but I don't think they're going to win tonight. So that's my point is, uh, I don't think they're going to win tonight. If, if also I don't think that, you know, they lose tonight, they're not going to the World Series because they're out. Now, if they were to win tonight and win game five and get into a series against the Diamondbacks, I might have a different perspective, but they got to win two games in a row against the Phillies. And so far from what I've seen in these first three games, like I said, they're very lucky to have won one. So I just don't see them beating the Phillies twice. But I hope I'm wrong, Joseph. I do. I, you know, hell, heck, I'm, I'm wrong a lot. So I could be wrong again. Well, yeah, because you were wrong about the Texas A&M game. Sure was. So I'm, I'm, I'm hoping, you know, it's bad to say this, Gary, but, you know, much as I've been doubting this year, even I picked Alabama on the Texas A&M game. You know that. Well, I'm glad you did. And like I said, I had picked uh, Alabama to lose that game in the preseason, and I stayed with it. <clears throat> but I also said last week I wouldn't be surprised if Alabama won the game. And I'm glad that they did, Joseph. And I've you know got to got to string some more wins together. Got to get one on Saturday, and then take care of Tennessee and get to the bye, and come back out against LSU and keep it going, man. That's that's the challenge, buddy. And I think they got a team that's capable of doing it. Hey, good to hear from you, my friend. Oh, you too, man. Thank you, Joseph. All right, let's uh, get one more call in before we hit the break, and that's going to be Mailman Jerry down there in Florida. Hey, Mailman Jerry. Good morning, Jerry. Hello. Good morning, Gary. Good morning. How are you doing, sir? Doing great. Roll time. Yes, sir. I still want that ball, man. We got to get you. We got to get you that ball now. You got to get, you gotta get I, me hooked up with a person that's going to come pick that, pick that ball up. I'm gonna call my cousin later and see if he can work it out. Uh, he lives in Asheville and, uh, see if he can get his daughter or him to go by and pick it up. Okay. Uh, for everybody listening, I'm an app listener and I listen to Todd 109 as I'm out delivering the mail. And I'm 39 years old and I've never won anything, any kind of contest in my life. And I responded to the trivia question on the app and I ended up winning and I still can't believe it. Well, you did win, so, my friend. Harry, thank you. Yes, sir. And uh, I tell you a story, folks. Uh, Noah and, and Justin ran the contest. Mailman and Jerry won. They, won. they sent me the number. I called him on Friday, and he was shaking. He was so excited. He he pulled over off in his mail truck and was sitting in a parking lot somewhere and just uh, couldn't get over it. He, uh, he was absolutely... Uh, um, like he is now, just emotional because of that win. So, man, we're happy that you won, and that's 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 exciting for us too. I can promise you that. Gary, these boys can win. They got heart, and they can win out. I'm telling you. Yeah, I think they can. I I, I agree with you. I think this Alabama team now is is found an identity, and uh, one you know got to knock them off one at a time. But you know, I, I wouldn't surprise me if they're eleven and one and. Going to Atlanta to play probably Georgia for the SEC championship, a spot in the playoff. I mean, this team is, uh, this team's found its, found its identity, man. And, uh, um, yep. quarterback is, is playing well and, uh, the offensive line's playing better and defense has, has been good all year. And now you just gotta, gotta cut down on these penalties, Jerry. You just can't keep, you can't keep going out there getting 12, 13, 14, 15 penalties. And it's gonna cost you a ball game and they've gotta Boy, figure that gotta out. Clean, we gotta clean that up. We gotta clean that up. Yes, sir. Well, man, good to hear from you. I'm so glad you won that ball. And like I said, get uh, get uh, in touch with somebody that lives around here, and we'll uh, or even if they're going to go to an Alabama game, if they're going to go to you know uh, 
one of these games coming up, I can meet them at the game and give them the, the football. I've done that with some people. So we'll make sure we get it to you one way or the other, okay? Yes, sir. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Have a great day. Mailman Jerry, yep. our Jalen Milrow football winner from last week, Bama Football Trivia, as we will do it again tomorrow, like I said, for that incredible Steve Skimper limited edition print with Eddie Lacey, uh, courtesy of T-Town Menswear and T-Town Gallery in the University Mall. We'll be back with the coach, Ellis Johnson, next right here on the Gary Here Show. Built to win. Built for championships. Balls intercepted Alabama. Built by Bama. Alabama is still Alabama. The Crimson Tide play here. Join us Saturday as the Crimson Tide take on Arkansas in an SEC showdown. Our coverage begins at 8 a.m. on your home for Alabama football. Brought to you by Birmingham Racecourse. BirminghamRacecourse.com. You can be a winner too. Never miss a moment of the action. Download the free Tide 100.9 app today. All right, 933, welcome back into the Gary Harris Show. And it's time for the coach, Ellis Johnson, to break down SEC football uh, the way that only he can with all of his experience as a coach in this conference. He joins us every week, and uh, we got a lot to cover now. We're halfway home through the regular season. Seems like just yesterday we were kicking it off, but time flies when you're having fun. Good morning, Coach. Good morning, Gary. How you doing? Doing well. Uh, last week you had a pretty good um, – you had a pretty good uh, scouting report on that Texas A&M-Alabama game. You broke it down pretty well, and um, Alabama went out there and gutted it out. Just just a huge win. Uh, clearly a lot of football left, but we knew the winner of that game was going to be in the catbird seat for the SEC West Championship, and uh, Alabama found a way to get it done despite a lot of mistakes. Yeah, it's the only team now that mathematically can, can give Alabama or take the champ, uh, West from Alabama is LSU because they still get to play them, and they have one loss. But that was a big win for Alabama. It wasn't pretty. I mean, I know the fans are used to watch Heisman Trophy winners run around offense all over the place, and they just don't have that this year. The biggest thing is, that is a puzzle to me, Gary, after the string of running backs that they've had over the past 15 years. And I really think that's where the thing – I know everybody talks about Milrow. Uh, he is what he is, and I think they've learned what they can do and what they can't do with him, and he's doing a better job of taking care of the football. He's dangerous with his feet, and he can throw the deep ball. And that's a difficult thing sometimes for the defense to contend with, but they can't seem to find a really good, strong running game, and there's no running back that's giving them any production right now. So that that's the puzzle to me, and I think if it doesn't develop, it'll be hard for them to you know, to close it out and have any chance to beat Georgia in the championship. What's odd, too, is all these guys they've got on this roster are highly recruited guys and uh, have proven to be, you know, competent running backs. And, and you're right, though. Uh, so let me ask you that because, uh, you know, McClellan, Roydell Williams, and even when you get down to Miller and Haynes, like I said, all, all highly recruited guys, is it on Saturday, was it just – a&M's talent up front? Was it their scheme? What was it that, that uh, they did, maybe that Alabama couldn't get the running game going? Because they certainly had success in the passing game with Milrow throwing over 300 yards. So was it something that A&M did specifically to limit Alabama's run game? I didn't think so. I, you know, they've had a really good season on defense this year. They had one bad pickup down at Miami and gave up a bunch of points. 
but they're one of the better defenses in the league. And, and so it doesn't surprise me that they would have a hard time moving it on them. But to, you know, at halftime, I think they had negative yardage rushing, which is unbelievable. And, uh, we're only seven points down, thank goodness. But they finished the game. What was it? 12, 12 yards? Yeah, something like that. It was a bad, bad number. I know that. This is crazy. And I mean, oh, 23. Okay. 23 yards rushing. And some of that's middle row. Uh, sometimes maybe those backs could be banged up. Sometimes they just don't pan out the way you think they were. But uh, even last year, you know, the kid last year, I think was a transfer from Georgia Tech. So, uh, you know, it's just been a puzzle to me. And I do think that Jason still has some, some limitations, but they're doing a good job now of playing to what he can do and not making him try to play to what they want to do. And, and they're still a dangerous offense as long as he takes care of the football. Defensively, of course, they're playing extremely well, and uh, they'll win their share of ball games as long as they don't turn the football over. Yeah, talking about Milrow, he uh, 21 to 33, 321 yards, three touchdowns. He did have the one interception where he made a good throw. I mean, Nyblack was there. He just didn't see the safety who did a good job of, of baiting him into that throw. But uh, what did you think of his performance in a game where, let's be honest about it, they didn't run the ball, and he had to win it with his arm. If he doesn't have a big game throwing the ball, Alabama loses that game. He stepped up. What did you see from him? Is that something, not that he's going to be a 300-yard passer every game, but did you see something in that game that leads you to believe that he can be uh, an efficient passer going forward? Well, I don't know about efficient, but he had passes of 45, 21, 52, 21, 15, 46, 19, and 17. So if you have those and you don't have one pick, you don't have to be real efficient. That's deadly. And three of those long ones went for touchdowns too. So it's, it's really kind of a strange group to figure out. You know, it's not a balanced thing that, that you would probably think Coach Saban has. But it is what it is, and I think early on they didn't know how how to control that, and I think now they do. And I think what he did when he when he sat him that one game and everybody was questioning the decision, I think it was maybe something to help the kid grow up a little bit and realize what he's got to do to be an effective quarterback. He, he can't be, you know, Bryce Young. He's got to be Jason Milrow, and, and if he'll do that, he, he is dangerous for that deep ball. They need to spread it around a little bit more. Uh, Burton's a great receiver, but if you just spread it out around a little bit more if they possibly can't, somebody's going to start trying to just take him out of the game somehow and, and see if they can survive the rest of it. Coach Ellis Johnson with us. All right. If you're Alabama now, you get to the halfway point. You're five and one overall. You're three and oh in the league. It's all right there. Like we're saying, you control your own destiny. You're the only team, um, that's unbeaten in the West, uh, so far, but. It's going to be a, a struggle every week in this conference for this team. I don't think they're potent enough offensively. They're just going to blow people out. And now all of a sudden, you go from the last few weeks going back to the Ole Miss game with people questioning you. Are they going to lose to Ole Miss? They're going to lose to A&M. Um, going to have several losses. And now, all of a sudden, the roles are reversed again. All out, they're 20-point favorite. You know, Arkansas hadn't won a game in the, in the league. They're 2-4 and four overall. But... And I know as a coach, you see this more than we do, but Arkansas is capable. I like what Sam Pittman said earlier this week. He said, it may not look at, like it to the outside world, but we're a good football team. And their three losses, they could have won every one of those games, certainly at LSU, certainly at Ole Miss and, and against A&M. Um, they're, a, they're a capable football team, and this game sets up with the early kick. If Alabama isn't ready 
to go. Uh, they could find themselves in a dogfight here on Saturday, I think. Uh, what about you, Coach? Yeah, I mean, I think Arkansas is a, a difficult team, a difficult outfall. But I do they got them at home, and I think that if they just play well, I know it's a broken record, I keep saying, about him taking care of the football. And the other thing I think they've got to do, and this could be part of Mill Road, they've got too many pre-snap penalties that are killing drives. And a lot of times that's because your quarterback's cadence and so forth is at the line, mannerisms, control, and execution. There's some things that he's not real. He's maybe not loud enough every time. He's not consistent. You know, he gets out of rhythm. That can be hard on offensive linemen. And they're having too many of those, and i got a feeling it has a little bit to do with his inexperience. But they've got to find a running game. He's playing good defense. He keeps taking care of the football. Uh, they're not going to have a hard time. They'll have a tough game, but they're not going to have a hard time winning this game. They've got Tennessee and LSU at home, back-to-back. Obviously, those are critical. And then it, it's just always hard to play Auburn at Auburn. And I know they'll be favored going down there, but they better not try to you know, chalk that one up before they play it. It's, it's ones you can't take for granted for sure. That's right. All right, let's uh, move around to the, some other teams. And what we saw from Georgia last week, I, I'm not surprised. I mean, <laughs> you know, they had heard the questioning of, of their program all of a sudden and, you know, give Kentucky credit for what they were able to do against Florida, but you weren't going to go into Athens and, and, and run the ball for 300 yards against Georgia. And, and Devin Leary, I think we all expected him to throw the football better for Kentucky, but I mean, I mean, Georgia just manhandled that, that Wildcat squad. Um, were you surprised at all at how easily Georgia won that game? A little bit, but it's it, it just as you said. If your strength is running the football, you probably don't have a good strength when you play Georgia. If you can't get some balance in your offense, I mean they're they're going to just completely shut you down. Uh, it was a tough loss for them. Uh, talking about Kentucky, obviously, but but I think you know they're still a really good football team. They just don't have the balance in that offense. Leary statistically has not been very impressive the whole year. And obviously, they didn't get much done the other day against Georgia. But neither did the running game. Uh, maybe Georgia's finally coming into being Georgia. I don't know. But you know, they had a game where they barely uh, got, had to take it in the second half to beat South Carolina. And uh, they, they have shown sometimes where they start slow and they can't close people out. They must have been ready to play this one, but I think it, I think it was the lack of balance on offense in Kentucky that Georgia was able to dominate them so badly. LSU, uh, a lot of people, I you know, keep saying, I, I, there seems like there's just a lot of people that want to put LSU into this marquee, uh, you know, column as a great team. I know offensively they are lighting it up, but they they gave up 39 in Missouri, and yet I've been hearing all the analysts this week saying they found something defensively. I don't know if they it was the pick six late in the game or the fact that maybe they didn't give up as many points in the second half as they were on pace to give up in the first, but they still gave up 39 points, Coach. I mean, they didn't like, you know, give them credit. That was a big win. I guess an unbeaten Missouri team, I guess, on the road. But um, you give up 39, it's hard for me to say your defense is fixed, but maybe you saw something from LSU defensively uh, that I didn't. I, I still thought for the most part in the game they gave up a lot of yards and a lot of points. I totally agree. I don't understand where that would come from. It was a tough, tough out because Missouri is playing a lot better than you think they are this year. Cook has been as good as anybody, you know, at quarterback. Uh, that's an LSU. If they didn't have Daniels, they'd be lost. I mean, they're next massive lead in scoring defense. And I've always thought that the way college stats are done, 
the points allowed uh, or scoring defense, whichever way you want to call it, may be the best indicator of the team's overall performance because kicking game, offense, and defense can contribute to your football team giving up points. So they've got probably the best quarterback in the league, and they've got almost the worst defense in the league. And it's very uncommon, you know, to watch LSU and, and realize that's who you're watching. But, uh, you know, they, they've lost two games. They're out of the playoffs. But they're sitting there with only one conference loss, and they still get to play Alabama, and they still get to play some of the teams that they can control their own destiny. I, I don't see the defensive improvement that somebody's talking about. Uh, I think they're dangerous on defense, but they have been really porous in the secondary. And so as they move down uh, through the schedule, I just think that it's going to be difficult for them to close the season out without losing another game or two. So what do you see with Auburn coming off a bye going into LSU? Um, LSU's offense is potent. Auburn's defense is pretty good. Uh, LSU can't, you know, stop the pass, but Auburn can't really throw it. So what's, what are you looking That's at from it. that matchup? Yeah, hopefully coming off a bye certainly won't hurt them. Uh, going into LSU certainly ain't good. But, you know, the one thing, as you just said, that they've been relying on running the football and playing good defense, and that's not a bad formula, especially on the road. But I just, you know, to exploit LSU's defense, you've got to be able to throw it well. And, and I'm be honest with you, I'm not sure if a team that throws as average as Auburn does, they may throw for a lot of yards on LSU. But I think they're going to have a different difficult time winning uh, down there without without having a better throwing game than they have. If they don't turn it over, they got a shot. I, I don't think this is Give me at all, LSU. Going around the rest of the league, um, oh gosh, man, I, I I don't want to spend any time on Georgia and Vanderbilt because we know the outcome there. Um, Clark Lee had some people excited though going into the season uh, about Vanderbilt, and I, again, I really like his demeanor. I like the fact that he he played there. He understands the program, but at the end of the day. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's it's the same old Vanderbilt. I mean, it just it almost is the point where you, even if they flash a year or there, two there, do you think they're ever going to, especially with Oklahoma and, and Texas coming in, do you think Vanderbilt will ever have an opportunity to compete in this league? Uh, not unless they have a dynamic change in philosophy. They can keep laundering coaches all they want to. Couldn't have hired a better person, played there, knows the, the, the university. I mean, if he can't recruit to Vanderbilt, nobody can so if they want to commit the resources like some private institutions at times Stanford, uh, the Northwest, and they've had their times where they've competed pretty well, uh, there's money at these institutions. And, of course, it's sad, Gary, but that's what it is now. I guess you saw the exchange. You know, the students talking about Georgia's the best mm-hmm. money could buy, and then Kirby basically admitted it. And, it was, and then I think Shane, if they made a comment, back it all up. It's, it's sad now, but the coaches are not just recruiters anymore. They're front office managers, and they got to be fundraisers to go get their NIL bucket filled up. And that's the way it is right now. And you can't blame the coaches. Uh, they're trying to deal with the world they're, they're in. So if Vanderbilt wants to pony up, fix the facilities, uh, you know, do the things you got to do with the NIL, they could get competitive. I mean, I don't think there's any reason why they can't. But they've just not shown that they want to do that over the history. Well, we just wonder. Hope Georgia takes some, you know, has a little mercy on on this uh, this Saturday. All right, um, let's get to some other matchups that are really interesting this weekend. 
South Carolina and Florida up there in your neck of the woods. Uh, and big game for both of these teams now. I mean, if these two teams are going to have decent seasons, um, they need to win this game. And I bet you both of them are saying to their team, we can win this game. Uh, this is an interesting matchup in Columbia. Yeah, it's very, very important for South Carolina. Uh, if they don't win this game, I don't think they'll go bowling. I don't see the, I don't see the six wins they're going to find. Uh, they played really well at home this year. And I, I think they're favored by about two and seven and a half points. But, boy, they've got some areas that have got to be shored up if they're going to have a shot to beat Florida. But then Florida, you know, I, what team is going to show up in Florida? They've been up and down also. Uh, it sounds crazy, but Florida's only got one conference loss. And, they, you know, they still get to play Georgia. And I know it's a crazy statement. They, they don't show anything right now that they can beat Georgia, but they still got to play them. So there's a lot at stake for both teams. And, uh, Florida, if Florida loses their third game, they're going to get tight trying to find those six wins, too. So it may not be a game of just national implications, but it's very important to both schools and, and the way they're sitting in the conference right now. And I, it could cost either one of them a bowl game, possibly. And a big win in Knoxville. A uh, couple of one-loss SEC teams, Texas A&M and Tennessee. Yeah, this is one I really wanted to bring up. I think this is going to be a heck of a ball game. Tennessee uh, offensively has not been there as consistent as they were last year. And I think A&M's got the kind of defense that could go in there and give them trouble in that area. And uh, if they can just, you know, I think the quarterback's playing pretty well. They are down to second quarterback. He's a semi-starter. But if they can put some points on the board, uh, Tennessee's an improved defense this year. But if they can put some points on the board, I think they probably can, can upset Tennessee. And Missouri at Kentucky, uh, both these teams trying to bounce back after losing their first games of the season. And uh, one of these teams will bounce back, and one of them will, you know, won't. So um, this is another one of these games that I think you can make a case for, for either team here. Yeah, very even looks. Uh, you know, Kentucky, again, a little bit one-dimensional. Uh, both of them were undefeated until last week. Uh, Missouri had a tough loss. Kentucky got demolished. Uh, I think right now Missouri's playing better football than Kentucky, but I think the key thing to watch on this, obviously, if Kentucky gets the run game going again, and then if Missouri is able to throw the football, they'll, they'll put points on Kentucky. If they have to run the football, it's going to be tough. Coach, great synopsis. Uh, before I let you go, nationally, I had a guy call in uh, earlier today, and he, and he asked a really good question. He said, how many teams do you see out there nationally can challenge Georgia? And and, and I said, well, right now, uh, and I know the 12-team teams, 12 team playoff comes next year. almost wish it was this year. Uh, again, I, I think right now, halfway through the season, I mean, you make a case for Michigan, Ohio State, Florida State, Oklahoma, Penn State, Washington, Oregon, any of these teams. I, I, th- I think it's a, a not that Georgia won't win it all, but I see quite a few teams that I think on, on a given night, if they could get into the playoff, has the potential to beat Georgia. What about you? Absolutely. I, I think Georgia has played one complete game this year, and that was against Kentucky. Other than that, they've had some times where they started a little slow uh, and, and haven't gotten off to a good start. But I think, you know, I think Beck has gotten better and better and better. He's starting to get the ball around all of his receivers. McConkie was out the first few games. Uh, took a while to get him back in the lineup, and that could be what's happening. But, you know, you got Washington, Oregon. I think they played this week. And then you got uh, well, Southern Cal playing Notre Dame. Right. 
And then you got uh, State North Carolina playing Miami. Some teams that are up there that are undefeated, they're not going to be undefeated after Saturday. A lot of the picture will clear up. But I totally agree with you. You can legitimately name nine teams right now that you think have a shot to win the whole thing. And, and they've shown enough balance in their program, both sides of the ball, and, and some, uh, some ability to play good defense to get through that playoff stretch. So Georgia deserves a lot of credit. They play well, but I think they're definitely not as, as dominant as they were last year. All right, since you brought up Miami, and when Mario Cristobal was here in Tuscaloosa, I really liked him, and I think he's a good coach. And it's not just him. We've seen other coaches, and we've seen uh, this happen before, but you've got the game one. Uh, against Georgia Tech. I mean, just, I, I, and it's not just the head coach. I mean, you got coaches on that staff in the headset. How do you not take a, I mean, everybody's saying it, but it's true. I mean, how in the world do you lose that football game with coaches that are no more about football than I'll ever know, but they don't know enough just to take a knee and run the, run the clock out? How does that happen? I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know if they just felt like it's, you know, it's no big deal. What, which way we do it, you know. Just run the play, not gonna matter. I mean, I don't know. It just, it, it's, you know, that they've got someone <clears throat> on the staff assigned to nothing but clock management when you get under two minutes. And they probably tell them, hey, we can kill it now. We can kill it now. <clears throat> and they either just didn't pay attention and said, hey, go ahead and run the ball. It's okay. I don't know. But, uh, there have been a few calls over the last two weeks that, you know, coaches are putting the players in a position where the players make a bad decision or, or ball security, in this case, fumble the football. And you think what a terrible play it is, but it should never have been run. So, you know, I don't have, I don't have an answer for it. Yeah. And sometimes the players take it upon themselves. And we saw it in the A&M game with, with Milrow and, and, uh, um, the wide receiver Benson out there, I know they did not call a pass play there, but they were rushing the line of scrimmage. I think wanting to snap it fast in case they wanted to review the McClellan play before that. And Benson's out there clapping his hands because he's nobody, he's uncovered and, and Milro tries to throw him the ball and throws it to the ground and they gave A&M an extra timeout. So it's sometimes like pulling teeth trying to get these games over with it. And coach, I bet when you sat in that box many years, you were like, my gosh, can we just get this thing over? <laughs> Well, a lot of times you make bad calls, but I think the things we're talking about, these are things that definitely coaches' decisions, not, not, oh, we should have run the ball more or we shouldn't have thrown the ball here. When you get down to that last two minutes and even closest to the end, those things have to be situations, I think, in college football, you take it out of the player's hands. Mm-hmm. They're, they're not experienced enough to make those decisions right every time. And when you're getting paid a million or two to make the decision, you should be making the decision. Don't put it in the player's hand. Well, one of these weeks when I get on here, I'm gonna we're gonna talk about the kick six and how you helped make a decision. There might not have been a kick six if you had not called down and, and told them to put somebody <laughs> back there. But we'll talk about that on a on another show. Thank you, Coach. Enjoy it, Gary. All right, 9:55. We got to get to the break. We'll come back and wrap up this first hour. Brought to you by Alabama Credit Union. Right after this. Coming up up. on The Game with Ryan Fowler. Coming up on the Thursday edition of The Game, we'll feature Aaron Torres, Fox Sports National Analyst. We'll feature the All-American defensive back, George Teague, which will be the Grand Marshal of the Homecoming Parade. He'll join us to break down Alabama's defensive play. We'll talk to Will Lowry, national champion winning defensive back at the University of Alabama. We'll talk with him. We'll talk to Brad Powers, all starting at 2 o'clock. The longest-running sports program in Tuscaloosa. 
the game with Ryan Fowler. Weekdays from 2 to 6 p.m. on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Are you 2011 Billy Sports Grill located on Main Avenue in historic downtown Northport has been serving their legendary signature chicken sandwich, award-winning wings and handcrafted cocktails. Billy's is also the spot to watch all your favorite sporting events with big screen, high definition televisions in both dining rooms, at the bar and outside on the beautiful patio. Come by and say hello to Kim and Lisa, the Billy's management dream team. Billy's good food, good friends, and good time. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. The sky mostly cloudy today, although we might see a few intervals of sunshine this afternoon. The high 72. Tonight and tomorrow, mostly cloudy with a chance of widely scattered showers. The low tonight, 60. The high tomorrow at 73. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 64 degrees in Tuscaloosa. You're listening to The Gary Harris Show. Goal line in, touchdown, Alabama. On your home for Alabama sports, Tide 100.9. And streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. All right, 9.58. I want to mention that I was able to speak to the YMCA of Tuscaloosa Men's Group yesterday. And uh, it was a pleasure to do so. Love the YMCA. You should uh, check it out for all of your uh, fitness needs. The YMCA of Tuscaloosa Personal Training. Try group fitness class. They've got it all. 2313 Street. All right, it's going to wrap it up for the first hour. It's been brought to you by Alabama Credit Union. We'll get hour number two started with the D. Orlando Ledbetter talking Falcons. Keep it dialed in right here at Tide 100.9 FM and 1230 AM WTBC. Your business, Tuscaloosa's Old Colony Golf Course is an 18-hole championship layout designed by 1976 U.S. Open champion Jerry Pate. Director of Golf John Gray and fitting specialist Bob Montgomery are PGA certified. Mike Shivitz is the head professional and director of the Tuscaloosa Junior Golf Program. Call today to secure a tee time at the Tuscaloosa Championship Golf Course. Everyone can play. 205-562-3201. Old Colony is operated by Para. It's the Tide 100.9 30K Workday Payday. Woo! Win cash every weekday 8 to 5. Here's this hour's cash code. 679. Again, that's 679. The code is 679. Enter that code now on the Tide 100.9 app. Click on the 30K Payday button and enter the code for a chance to win $30,000. Always live. Always local. Dependable news coverage. The latest news, only from the Tuscaloosa Thread Newsroom. Some Northporters voicing concern about the impact business growth is having on the city's traffic congestion. Carly Russell's attorneys are appealing her Hoover Municipal Court sentence of a year in jail for faking her kidnapping. They say ordering restitution is fine, but jail time for two misdemeanors is excessive. A ribbon cutting will be hosted next week for the Hope Point Behavioral Health Crisis Care Center in Tuscaloosa, one of several new centers being developed around the state for persons with mental health issues. It's part of a $7 million investment by Alabama. For the Local news in Tuscaloosa. Bama sports updates. And severe weather information. Download the free Tuscaloosa Threat app. Never pay for your news. And sign up for our daily newsletter with news updates. 
The Gary Harris Show. You see him host Tider Insider TV, Crimson Tide Kickoff, play-by-play for Alabama sports, and sports director for WVUA 23. It's time for the Gary Harris Show on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Here we go. Hour number two of the Gary Harris Show on Tide 100.9 FM and 1230 AM WTBC. I'm your host, Gary Harris. This hour, the Gary Harris Show being brought to you by Patterson Comer, Attorneys at Law. And there are many personal injury term firms out there, but I like uh, dealing with uh, injury attorneys right here in West Alabama. That's Paul Patterson and Mike Comer. Paul's in Tuscaloosa, 205-345-1000. Mike's in Northport, 205-759-3939. Toll free from anywhere, 866-507-9091. Again, feet on the ground, right? Right here in West Alabama, if you are involved in an automobile accident or any type of uh, personal injury situation, get an attorney that you can look in the eye. And if you need to go to court, they'll be right there with you every step of the way. That's Patterson Comer, Attorneys at Law, PattersonComerLawFirm.com. No representation is made that the quality of legal services to be performed is greater than the quality of services performed by other lawyers. All right, let's get this second hour started with my friend D. Orlando Ledbetter, longtime Falcons beat writer for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, AJC.com. He does the Falcons report with us every week. And uh, the Falcons, uh, D. Orlando Ledbetter, I don't think it's a, a stretch to say that was a huge win on Sunday over Houston, 21-19. They went it with a field goal in the final play of the game there in Atlanta. Yeah, no doubt. Falcons came back, uh, you know, to pull that one out. They took the lead late, then gave it back and uh, had a uh, drive with 149 to get in field goal range and made some plays and uh, pulled out the victory over the Houston Texans and C.J. Stroud. Breakout game for Desmond Ritter, wouldn't you say? I mean, in regards to um, the Texans' defense, they, they did a good job against the run. They kind of put it in Ritter's hands, and uh, I, I – you know, I've got to give the guy some credit. I mean, for a guy who struggled to throw the ball consistently, he made some big football throws in that game. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, one one of the bigger ones was to Drake London and that uh, first uh, drive there in the third in the fourth quarter along the sidelines. He had his helmet ripped off, and uh, then you know later on in the game, uh, you know to get in field goal range, he hit London again. So that's his guy. We knew that uh, Houston. Uh, you know should have known that also that that's who he's going to go to when it when it got you know to, to crunch time so uh, uh that was good to see them be able to make plays he also had a big pass up the field to the fullback they slipped uh keith smith up the field for a 28 yard gainer and uh, all that's promising because teams are going to gang up on the run yeah there's no doubt about it and and um and for Ritter to do what he did, but that's one game. You're around the team, Orlando. You got as good a feel for this this club as anybody, and in, in, you know that covers them. That's why I love having you on. Is it just a one game anomaly, or is this something that you think Ritter can carry from week to week? The ability to have these big games passing wise. Yeah, that's what I'm uh, working on today. I'm like, hey, so y'all had a good game passing. Can you do it again? What's the uh, you know? How do you carry this forward? You know. Uh, talked to Kyle Pitts about it, uh, Drake London, uh, new, new guy, Van Jefferson and Ritter. And he's like, Hey, I don't know. It's just a matter of, Hey, whatever they're going to give me after it's all check downs, I'll take the check downs. If they want to gang up on the line of scrimmage, I'll get it out up the field. So he's in that comfortable place now where he knows he can get it up the field. Um, he did it, you know, and that's the way Matt Ryan used to play around mm-hmm. here. He spread it around. He threw it to 11 different players, and, and 10 of them caught balls. 
And so there's no way to jump on everybody if you're spreading it around. So now you got to do it again. That was that's the uh, big task uh, before Desmond Ritter and the Atlanta Falcons. Defensively, uh, you know, they're not great. But in a league where you see teams, you know, scoring, you know, 30, 40, 50, sometimes 70 points, to have not given up more than – I think it's 24 points this season. Uh, this defense at the end of the day has been pretty solid, hasn't it? Yeah, uh, Gary, no question about it. It's not, uh, you can't point to, oh, well, they're getting 20 sacks a game or something like that. No, what they are doing is, uh, at least in the quarterbacks they played and, uh, except for Jared Goff and, uh, and Trevor, but even Trevor, they've been able to, to get off the field on third downs with three or 14 against Stroud. And Coach Smith said, hey, when you got a smart defense, you can change it up. We're not doing the same things on third down. So that's uh, that's how they're doing it. And, uh, uh, you know, they'll have a plan here for, for Sam Howe, another rookie or first-year starter, that, uh, uh, you know, they're going to try to confuse them and mix up the coverages and so forth. All right, before we get to the commanders, uh, Justin, uh, my terrific producer, wanted me to ask you about – Ritter, because last week I asked you about the Falcons potentially in the trade market, and he wants to know, did, did Ritter do enough in that game to be the guy, or would the Falcons still potentially look to maybe bring in a Kirk Cousins or somebody else, uh, or are they going to roll with uh, Ritter all season? Yeah, I, I think they are uh, They're pleased with his development, and they want to continue to do the work to develop him as a quarterback. Their hope is that he's their quarterback for the future. I mean, that's coming from Arthur Blank. So there's not going to be any hasty decisions if the owner wants to, um, you know, the owner wants the benefit of a, a quarterback on a rookie contract, basically. He would have two more years, maybe uh, maybe three for him on his rookie contract, and then you could build the team out before you have to, you know, back, bring, you know, back it up and pay him a little bit. So, no, they're not in the market for Kirk Cousins as they're currently situated or, um, you know, Carson Wentz or anybody like that. Okay, gotcha. All right, let's move on and um, to another winnable game. Of course, I, as I like, you and I like to talk about in this league, uh, they're all winnable. 32 can beat number one. But this is a game for the Falcons against the, a commander's team that I know they're disappointed. They started fast, 2-0. and um, and then had a chance to go three and one and lost a heartbreaking game to the Eagles, but then inexplicably just got hammered by the Bears last week. Uh, a team that hadn't won a game in nearly a year. And now Ron Rivera is feeling some heat and the, and the commanders will come into Atlanta. It appears to be reeling a little bit. Uh, what do you see in this matchup? Yeah, uh, it's not good when your owner, uh, a member of the ownership group is talking about the team not fighting, and that's what Magic Johnson said after that game. Yep. Uh, doesn't signal well for Ron Rivera, uh, who, uh, you know, when you get a new owner, they like to bring in their own people. But it's early in the season, and they can get it turned around. Uh, they've had a, they had an extra rest here, but uh, the big thing is their secondary is in, in bad shape, so you can go after them a little bit. Uh, the, the front is pretty good. And you got Sam Howe, uh, you know, rookie, uh, you know, first-year starter, threw 92 touchdowns at North Carolina, 23 interceptions, uh, likes to drive it down the field, but he's holding the ball on too long up here in the uh, pros. And so Eric uh, Bieniemy, the new offensive coordinator there, has got to coach him to get the ball out. So I, I think, you know, the Falcons should be in pretty good shape in this one, except for that the uh, commanders 
arrested, and they were embarrassed on national mm-hmm. TV, and that's a bad formula for pro athletes when they come to that next game. They don't want to, uh, you know, be embarrassed in front of the national audience. So who do you like? Yeah, I like the Falcons, uh, but they got to, um, you know, be a little bit better, can't turn the ball over. Too many turnovers here in the last four games, and they got to get to the quarterback here. You know, if they're last in the league in five sacks, with five sacks, them and the Giants. So uh, if they can do some, you know, they got to keep improving, cut out the turnovers, sack the quarterback, and they should be okay in uh, beating the Commanders on Sunday. New Orlando Ledbetter with us for the Falcons Report. All right, Orlando, it's time for one of my favorite segments, the former Bama Falcons tracker. Uh, let's start with Rashawn Evans, who uh, signed with the Cowboys. You know, he I guess he was with the Eagles practice squad like a week. It didn't, he and his agent didn't think that was going to work out. So, uh, but he's going to get a crack now. Cowboys, uh, you know, banged up a little bit at the linebacking position. Do you think this is a spot that, uh, Evans can stick and, and, and work his way onto the active roster? Yes, no doubt. I think he's uh, taking Bander's spot. I don't know what, what kept, uh, him on the street so long after leading the Falcons with 158 tackles last year. I suspect Drew. Uh, Rosenhaus wanted, uh, you know, him to be paid his, uh, true worth, and he didn't want to sign him for a, a minimum contract. So he's got a good situation in Dallas, and we wish him the best. He was our PFWA good guy award winner who helped the media the best last year in Atlanta. And everybody in Atlanta wishes him the best with the Cowboys. Great landing spot for him. Yeah, I agree with you. I think so. What about Julio? Listen, you know Julio very well. He has never sought the spotlight. He's a different kind of dude, a terrific football player, but off the field, low-key, minds his own business, goes fishing. And I guess if he's going to bow out, this is the way he would do it, just without any pop and circumstance. But do you think he's done? Are you surprised that nobody has put some feelers out? I mean, I know the last couple of years have been tough, but this is still Julio Jones we're talking about. Yeah, I uh, I talked to Terry Rubinsky, uh about two weeks ago, maybe three, and uh, I was like, is Julio retiring, and uh, are you on the golf course? <laughs> he said, no, he's not retiring, and yes, I'm on the golf course. So, so And then um, one of my interns saw Julio at the gym here last week working out, so he's staying on top of that part of it. Uh, you know, probably hoping that he gets a call here if somebody gets real thin and uh, at the receivers and they're a playoff contender and so forth. I'd love to see him get one more opportunity to go out in, in style after the last couple of years. And finally, uh, and you, I'd ask you about Ridley. You said, hey, man, the Falcons had to move on. It is what it is. But um, is anybody surprised that after as long a time as he was out that he stepped in with, with the Jags and has been, I think, last Week nine of his eight of his nine catches were for first downs, well over 100 yards. He looks like he hasn't missed a beat. No, and they were saying that uh, you know he just needed to um, you know get some get get his uh, you know situation life in order here cleared. Nobody ever questioned his football ability and work ethic, and uh, you know you could tell uh, at least Jerry Gray, the Falcons' assistant head coach, was saying, "Hey, you could tell that he's been working." Uh, he had a great trainer to keep him in shape. He's still at an elite level. So, uh, yeah, hats off to him for, for doing that, even though it was a tough situation. 
But it uh, looks like he's on the other side of that now. Finally, Orlando, we're five weeks in, and we've only got two unbeaten teams. <laughs> and it's no surprise, I think, that it's the Eagles and the Niners, and they could be on a collision course for another NFC championship. But five weeks in, two unbeaten teams. I guess that's just all we need to know. The NFL, I guess, is getting its wish. There's a lot of parity in this in this league. Yeah, and I think the underwritten story, uh, Gary, is the it's it's attributed or attributed the fact that we're underseeing a uh, we're seeing a turnover at the quarterback position. Matthew Stafford, the only veteran quarterback in the league with 13 plus years of experience. You got a lot of teams trying to figure out the quarterback position, mm -hmm. so you're going to see a lot of fluctuation in the games and the play. Uh, as we move forward and as these young quarterbacks decide to, you know, step forward or not. Well, we know this when it comes to the Falcons in the league uh, as a whole. Nobody does it better than you as far as covering uh, Atlanta Falcons football. So once again, as we do every week, uh, fill the listeners in, Twitter, uh, website, podcast, all the, the stuff that you've got available. Yeah, no question. Thank you, Gary. You can find me on Twitter at AJC. We just had a David Aldridge on the uh, Bowtie Chronicles podcast, a good friend from uh, TNT, and uh, uh, he's at the Athletic now in D.C., so the Bowtie Chronicles this week was a good one. And uh, you can uh, find us on Facebook, Atlanta News Now. Thank you, Orlando. Thank you, Gary. Have a great one. You too. All right, 1016 here on the Gary Harris Show. And once again, I uh, want to remind you about tomorrow, Bama football trivia. Going to give away that uh Limited edition Steve Skipper print with Eddie Lacey from Alabama's Demolition of Notre Dame. Uh, hand signed by Skipper the Artist, Eddie Lacey, numbered. Uh, it's a phenomenal, phenomenal gift again. Presented tomorrow by T-Town Menswear and T-Town Gallery University Mall for all your menswear needs. And also for one-of-a-kind Alabama football memorabilia collection. Get by. And there's a good chance that if you go by, you might see an Alabama football player in there. They, they're visiting with Tom, and they're often uh, – getting uh, buying suits and and you know he outfits a lot of these guys for their their games on saturday so uh, t-town menswear and t-town gallery in the university mall go by and see them all right we're going to be back with uh, some nick saban audio from last night following uh, practice and, and more of your phone calls as well 205-342-9904 is the number on the first domain condos hotline johnny cognon abc 3340 coming up at 10:30. keep it out in right here to the gary Harris show are you ready for the ultimate touchdown? If you haven't already, you've got to try Tuscaloosa's unique breakfast, brunch, and lunch concept. Brick and Spoon, downtown Tuscaloosa, Timerson Square. It's fresh food with a Cajun flair featuring a full bar with build-your-own Bloody Marys and mimosas. Open daily, 7 a.m. until 2 p.m. Available for after-hours events, rehearsal dinners, receptions, and birthdays. They offer brunch and lunch catering. Call Brick and Spoon at 205-345-5551 for more information. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. The sky mostly cloudy today, although we might see a few intervals of sunshine this afternoon. The high 72. Tonight and tomorrow, mostly cloudy with a chance of widely scattered showers. The low tonight, 60. The high tomorrow at 73. I'm James Spann of the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 64 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Want to know what's going on with the Crimson Tide? Download the Tide 100.9 app today. All right, welcome back in. The bumper music went silent on us, Justin. What happened? You know what it is? You know what it is? 
sabotaged by Taylor Swift and the Swifties. That's what it is because we were going to come back with some, uh, you know, the Chiefs play tonight against the Broncos. And what does that mean? Well, that means that, and I don't have the stream, so I don't have to listen to it. But that means if you're watching the game, you got to hear 150 Taylor Swift stories. I get it. And then she's a fabulous entertainer. She really is. I mean, she's, she's, she's talented. She's a songwriter. She plays instruments. I mean, she's not just some pop star that, I mean, she's a very, very talented musician and, and, and artist. But we get it. She goes out with Travis Kelsey. I mean, I'm, I'm there to watch a football game. I don't have to have minute play by play updates on, on Taylor Swift. I'm sure she'll be in attendance tonight at Arrowhead when the Broncos come to town. And, uh, good for that. What do you, you know, Justin, you're 30 some, 30 plus years younger than me. So you probably see it differently. Are you still interested in, I mean, what, what do we not know? I mean, we know it all now. She's dating Travis Kelsey, their boyfriend, their girlfriend, however you want to sum it up. She's going to be at the games. I mean, the thrill is gone for me. Let's play football. No, you're right. I mean, I guess the initial hype was there because the, the newness of the relationship but now it's it's their private lives it's their business now do we really need to see every reaction to every single play from no. taylor swift no we don't it's, it's the same as if uh joe blow in the stands who's just a chiefs fan gets spotlighted like every every down every commercial that would never happen so yeah but it's gonna be on tonight and i hate the fact that we can't watch the thursday night game on over the air television i i mean just I, makes me cringe, but Broncos and Chiefs tonight uh, in Kansas City on the Thursday night NFL game of the week. All right, let's get to some Nick Saban clips here. We don't have any phone calls, so we can go. Uh, uh, let's start, as we always like to do, with his uh, opening comments last night following practice. Hey, listen, and, and, and they're good. This is Nick Saban on the importance of nothing. Nick Saban on nothing. Okay, y'all ready for a lecture? talk about the importance of nothing you get up every day you're entitled to nothing nobody owes you nothing you could have talent but if you don't have discipline and you don't execute you don't focus what do you get nothing if you're complacent and not paying attention to detail. What does that get you? Nothing. So nothing is acceptable but your best. So we need to be, everything is determined by what you do and you trying to be your best so that you can build on positive performance so that, and that's, that's the only thing, there should be nothing else. All right, but that, you know, for everybody. Um, so that's what we have to stay focused on. That's what we need to do. Um, and, you know, we got rained out today, so we had to go inside. And um, we, need, we, we need to not accept anything but our best in terms of what we're doing in preparation. That was Nick Saban on the importance of nothing. Uh, a reporter also asked him about the, the solar eclipse that's going to be happening on Saturday. Here were his comments on that. I think you have to prepare your team.
before every destruction. I actually think we should, the best way to do that would be text it to them so they can read it on their phone. All right, so, because sometimes they don't listen. All right, but if you text it to them, they'll read it. All right, so um, that might be a new technique that we try. You should text them what they're supposed to do on the field. They'll probably get it then. You have to love Coach's dry humor. It's always his face if you've seen the video of this press conference he you can tell he's telling a joke and it's funny but it's just the slightest smirk and then as you could hear the uh the press laughing there in the background coach was also asked about the uh, arkansas uh, front seven and highlighted by jaheem thomas here are his comments on that look their their whole front seven is very aggressive very physical uh they play well together they execute their scheme really really well uh, we're going to have to do a great job up front, um, and that's going to be the challenge. And this guy is, you know, a really good tackler, very productive, very instinctive, good athlete, physical, tough guy. So he's one of the better linebackers we played against. Coach was also asked about Tim Keenan. Here are his comments. Well, the one thing that's been allowed us to do all year is, you know, Jaheim had play nose last year all right so his emergence as a good inside player and a good nose you know let's just play jaheem at you know five technique and then the two of them play inside when we go to four down guys so uh it's given us a lot of diversity in how we can use other players but you know he's played really really well um been very productive um smart very dependable uh you can always count on him to do his job uh, he works hard he gives great effort so um and you know, he, he's kind of made himself a player here. Uh, he, he's worked his way up so that, you know, he's a very, very productive player. And, you know, he could have done what some other guys do and say, well, you know, I don't, I'm not going to play that much. So I'm not going to work that hard. But this guy worked hard for every minute since he's been here to get where he's at. And it's paying off for him. Something that has been common so far this season for Alabama is we've seen change at the O-line position, particularly the left tackle and the left guard with Booker battling some injuries early on, especially in the USF game. Um, against Texas A&M, Caden Proctor and Elijah Pritchett had seemingly been switching out and rotating, which has done them good as Caden Proctor struggled in some pass protection, as well as the O-line as a whole has struggled with penalties. Here's Coach Saban's comments on the rotation at left tackle. I can't answer that, to be honest with you, and I'm not trying to be facetious or anything. You know, I think both guys have shown promise, you know, when they've played, uh, and both guys have sort of had a few hiccups, you know, when they've played. Um, but I think, you know, both guys have played well enough that there should be some consideration for them both playing. Uh, at some position or splitting time at one position, however you want to look at it. Uh, but they're both young players, so their adaptability to do multiple things is probably something that will be a little bit of a work in progress. Coach was also asked about offensive linemen shoving running backs. We know around football the question has often been about the tush-push play uh, made popular by the Eagles and Jalen Hurts. Uh, QB sneak, pushing a running back or a quarterback through the line of scrimmage. Um, and Coach was asked about, about the play as well as the uh, his comments on the rules and safety of. Here are his comments. 
you know, we, we've tried to make a lot of rules um, in the last few years that are intended to enhance player safety. And um, I don't think that's necessarily a play when people are running into the pal and uh, aggressively pushing the pal forward. Um, that is, you know, sort of something that enhances player safety. So from a player safety standpoint, um, I mean, from a competitive standpoint, everybody can do it. So it, it really doesn't, you know, matter. Um, it's not a competitive advantage or a disadvantage one way or the other, but I do think there may be a conversation about how it can impact player safety uh, in terms of, you know, doing that kind of aggressive push in the pile. And as Coach mentioned, that's been the talk uh, and criticism of the tush-push play, especially from by the Eagles and from, as Coach was alluding to, any team. Any team is able to do this. The issue is the running back and the quarterback, or just the ball carrier in general that is being pushed, is essentially a, a dummy for that time that they're being pushed by these other linemen and other players. Um, lots of physical abuse and lots of chance in a pile, especially for injuries to occur. And with your most important players, the quarterbacks and even the running backs, you want to make sure that their safety is taken into account. And as many have called it, a rugby play. So we're going to see if the any rules will come from the NFL or the NCAA on that. Coach was also asked about preparing for key players being out this Saturday, and uh, I'm sure we might hear about Malachi Moore potentially missing the game. Here's Coach's comments. Well, we got to put guys in a position and try to train them and get them reps. But, you know, what what is beneficial, really beneficial to players is when they can play a position and they have cumulative reps. Right, not just the reps for that particular game because you know a lot of things that happen have some carryover from you know like the games before fall camp spring practice so you you sort of had have this you know baseline of knowledge that's very helpful to you making good choices and decisions and anticipating you know adjustments and uh, how to line up and what to do and responsibility and confidence and all those things so you know, that's hard to build, you know, in a week. But uh, we want to try to get the guys the most reps possible so that we can sort of enhance their development the best we can in the short period that we have. But um, I think in the secondary especially, you know, there, there's usually only a few guys that can play multiple positions, that have big picture understanding and can play multiple positions. And most of the time, you know, guys will play better in the secondary when they have, uh, they feel comfortable and confident playing one position and they can play that and they get a, the cumulative effect of a lot of repetition. All right. Great stuff from Nick Saban. Glad we could bring you those clips and, uh, uh, Justin breaking down uh, Nick Saban this morning. This is Gary Harris and we're taking the break and we're coming back with Johnny Cognitive from ABC 3340 next right here on the Gary Harris show. Covering University of Alabama sports, as well as the national and local scene as well. The Gary Harris Show, only on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. All right, 1035, welcome back into the Gary Harris Show. And uh, normally you would be hearing the Eagles at this time slot, but Jeff Spiegel is out this week. So pinch hitting 
is Johnny Cognon, also from ABC 3340. So Johnny requested and got uh, new theme music today, Johnny. How about that? Hey, filling in for Speaks, Gary, am, am I more of a Tyler Buckner or am I, let's say, uh, Ty Simpson in this scenario? Well, based on that one game, I hope you're Ty Simpson. Let's just say that. <laughs> he was a little more effective than, than, than Buckner was. Uh, no, man, listen, you're, you're, uh, you're a guy that we'll put the ball in your hands and let you go down the field. Glad, glad to have you. Hey, listen, it's, it's, it's week to week in college football. But it's funny how perceptions can change so quickly. Coming out of that South Florida game after losing to Texas and then that just awful performance down in Tampa when Milrow sat it out and they played Buckner and Simpson. Uh, there were a lot of these uh, college football analysts were saying, hey, man, Alabama be lucky to, to win eight games and they're going to lose to Ole Miss and somehow they found a way to win that one. Well, can't take anything for granted in Starkville. They won that one. Well, for sure, they'll get their comeuppance in College Station and they won that one. So now it's the it's the – you go from – Reverse rat poison back to Nick Saban's favorite rat poison, 20-point favorite, and everybody's just taking this game against Arkansas for granted, it feels like. So what a turnaround, huh? Uh, everyone's taking it for granted but me. I mean, Gary, if there's a, a leader of the K.J. Jefferson fan club, man, I'm the president of it. We're, we're making jackets. I mean, I, I, I love this kid dating back to two years ago when, when he came into Bryant Lit it up, Stadium yeah. and got in a shootout with Traylon Burks, his receiver there that plays for the Titans now. I mean, that was arguably, and again, you'll forget more Alabama football than I'll ever know. That's got to be the worst, one of the worst secondary games that Alabama's defense has played, at least since I've been at school, when I went to school there my freshman year in 2014. DeMarco Hellams had a horrific game. Terry and Arnold did not play well. I mean, it wasn't Terry and Arnold. Who else was on that 2021 secondary back there that just got cooked in that game? I mean, Traylon Burks looked like I mean, he had his Laquan Treadwell moment. Laquan was it. back there for one as a freshman. Yeah, yeah. and it, it was rough. And luckily for Alabama, they had Bryce Young and Jameson Williams, mm -hmm. and they were able to, to win that shootout at home. But if you go look at this Arkansas football team this season, I mean, with the exception of the A&M game that was inside AT&T Stadium in Arlington, they have been in every single oh, absolutely. game against good teams like BYU. They got in a battle with LSU that basically came down to whoever had the football last was going to win. And then a week ago, they went toe-to-toe -to -toe with an Ole Miss team that I think is in the upper echelon of the SEC. So if fans look at this 11 a.m. kick, 20-point spread homecoming, and they want to sleepwalk through it, I think you got another thing coming because I think specifically last year when they went to play Auburn, and again, we, we follow Auburn in Birmingham as close as we do Alabama, they were coming off a loss two years ago, and they went in to Jordan-Hare Stadium and played pissed-off football, and it was another 11 a.m. game, and Auburn was trying to sleepwalk through that thing, and before you know it, you looked up, it was a 2-3-4 game, and it was over, so I, I caution any Alabama fan that thinks this is going to be a cakewalk. Do I think they're going to win? Ultimately, yes, but would I take the 20 points? Gary, I would not. Yeah, I'm with you too. I just keep saying the same thing. I mean, this is going to be a battle every every Saturday for Alabama, and um, I, I agree. I think they're going to win the game, but this is a team that's not going to be you know scoring 45, 50 points the way other Alabama teams have. I don't think, and and to cover a 20 point line will be interesting. I, I think the goal for Alabama each week is just to win the game, and, and I Absolutely. think they will. Hey, um, I've got a lot of, and I'm sure you've heard a lot too. You know, in fact, somebody texted me this morning, and and you know um, about the 11 o'clock kickoff time and and you know does Alabama need to uh, you know stand up and and 
ask the SEC not to schedule any of these 11 o'clock kickoff times for a, for a homecoming, but there's really not anything Alabama or anybody in the SEC can do. Uh, television sets the schedule. Uh, they, they just do, period. Yeah. And if they say you're going to play at 11 a.m., heck, man, if they said you were going to play at 9 a.m., that, that's, that's where you're going to play. It's really out of the school's hands at this point. Hey, hey, Gary, Gary, this is Alabama we're talking about. It, they should not cry poor when it comes to big television slots. Rather, it'd be 2.30 basically every week. They play night games constantly. I mean, you can't have your cake and eat it, too. Eventually, you're going to have to wake up for an 11 a.m. kick. And I get it. Fans hate it. I hated it when I was a student. But, you know, if you want a silver lining when that game's over, you get to go home and watch the night sleep. So, you know, every once in a while, it's not the end of the world to sprinkle in an 11 a.m. kick. What about uh, Auburn coming off the bye, going to LSU? Um, I've heard a lot of the analysts, I said this earlier on the show, that have said LSU found something defensively. Last I checked, they still gave up 39, but they scored 49 and did get a pick six there late. But Auburn can't really throw the football that well, and that's LSU's defensive weakness. Uh, Auburn's defense has been pretty good, but LSU's offense has just been potent. Interesting matchup in Baton Rouge. You see any shot that, that Auburn could get this? I know they took Georgia down to the wire. You think they could get this game into the fourth quarter on the road in Baton Rouge? Uh, I do not, Gary. I think this is a nightmare matchup for Auburn. And I, I've been a little more bullish on them this season than most, specifically because of that defense. When you think of Hugh Freeze, you don't think of defense. But this year, between Jalen Simpson, between Eugene Asante, uh, between Elijah McAllister, the transfer from Vanderbilt, I mean, they have, the defense was the reason they were in that game against Georgia until ultimately they couldn't tackle Brock Bowers. And one of the only reasons, if we're being honest with ourselves, that we're still in that game is because of where the game was played. I mean, that certain hair atmosphere was, was unlike most we're going to see in college football this year. That, that building, as Alabama fans know, has a weird voodoo gypsy haze to it. Weird things happen down there. And, and again, we're looking at a Georgia team that if everybody wants to say this isn't the typical Alabama unit you see year in, year out, look what's going on in Athens because compared to those last two, maybe three teams, I know they won the national title in back to back years. This Georgia team is not what those Georgia teams of the past have been. And now they're undefeated because they now have an Alabama-like standard like Alabama's had for 15 years under Saban. But that being said, I mean, that that Georgia unit, especially starting at the quarterback position, and we'll just throw the offensive line and defensive lines. They are not nearly what they've been in the last two years. So I think Auburn was able to use the home field advantage of their defense to their, to their advantage. But they go on the road against a guy like Jaden Daniels, who – in my opinion, Gary's the best quarterback in the Southeastern Conference. And sure, LSU's defense has been Swiss cheese this year. But if you look at what Auburn was able to do offensively when they went out to Cal a few weeks ago, I mean, they, they, they couldn't move the ball to save their lives. They're struggling getting 100 yards passing each and every week. It, and they haven't utilized your quiz hunter in the backfield probably to the standard that they would like to, considering how good of a pure back he is. I think they really miss Tank Bigsby. I think they really miss some guys on that offensive line. So I think it's going to be a tractor pull for Auburn. And I don't even know what the number is spread-wise for LSU, but I would take uh, the Bayou Bengals this Saturday down in Baton Rouge. Johnny Cognon with us, talking to college football, ABC 3340. Um, I'm, I'm with you on George. I don't think they're what they've been, but in that Eastern Division, I don't think they have to be. I, I think they're getting to Atlanta, and, and I think they'll – probably be undefeated when they get there uh, and they still have to go to knoxville but for alabama uh it shapes up pretty well right now but we know how quickly it could change do you think alabama can run the table uh the rest of the way and win these last six uh, to go into atlanta 11 and 1 and play for the sec championship spot in the college football playoff you know gary i've looked at it 
six, seven times. And again, with, with Speaks in the sports office, we have these conversations constantly, especially on Sunday night when we're getting ready for the zone. But I, I, I don't want to sound like I'm coming through crimson colored glasses here. I just don't see another loss on the schedule until I know I just basically just gave you all the reasons Auburn can't play. But I mean, is anybody that follows this rivalry knows an Iron Bowl in Auburn is never guaranteed. So that's the game that scares me the most. Uh, I just look at upcoming games against Arkansas, LSU, Tennessee, and they're all at home. And obviously the trip to Lexington, Kentucky towards the end of the season doesn't look nearly as daunting considering what we saw Mark Stoops' team do on the big stage last week down in Athens where they just basically didn't show up. So I I like Alabama's matchup against Tennessee. I do worry if LSU's defense has improved, like you said moments ago, I don't want to get in a shootout with any team in college football right now with Taylor Milrow at the helm. And although he is leaps and bounds better than he was a few weeks ago down in Tampa when they played USF, Gary, I still don't trust the kid. I don't at all. I feel like that back-breaking interception is around the corner in any big spot. And I feel like if you've, if you've watched him throughout these really big games he's played in his career now, rather it was A&M at home last year or Texas this year, I don't know how you can trust him. So I... um cautiously optimistic when I look at the schedule, encouraged with home games against Tennessee and LSU. But ultimately, if they would slip up one more time, I, I wouldn't be the most shocked man in the world considering I, I, I said this on Lars Anderson and Matt Coulter's show a few days ago, Gary. We're, is Alabama, someone asked me, is Alabama a college football playoff contender? And I said, absolutely, but they're no longer a favorite. They were a favorite seemingly every year since the playoff formed in 2013, 2014, whatever it was. But this is the first year they're a contender, but I would not put them in the category as a favorite. So I won't be surprised one bit if they did slip up down the road. John, in 12-team playoffs coming next year, and I've had mixed feelings about it, but I'll tell you this, I almost wish it was this year. We're halfway through the season, and there are so many contenders at the halfway point. You know, a lot of years, you, you, you've seen it, you say, ah, there's only – couple teams through two three teams that come i mean it's to me I, I obviously you start with georgia but i look at michigan I look at ohio state I look at florida state I look at this ap top 10 oklahoma penn state washington oregon even texas with a loss alabama with a loss yep. i think usc is a pretender um interesting to see what north carolina can do i mean i think there's a lot of teams that have the potential to get in the playoff and and possibly win oh, the national championship gary if mario cristobal takes a knee Last week with Miami, that team's undefeated going into the UNC game, and that's another team you have to pencil in as a, as a college football playoff team. Exactly. I love it. The, the, the parody this year has been phenomenal, and I think that something that adds another element to it is the fact that there's no clear-cut favorite. Now, if Texas was able to take care of business against Oklahoma, I remember talking to scouts of that game, Gary, and I was sitting a few rows across from me. I had one scout from the Jets tell me that they think Texas is the most talented team in the country. Now, they get in a shootout with Oklahoma. You know Texas historically might slip up against one of these Pac-12 teams in games they should win. But I look around the country right now, and I guess everyone will say Georgia by default, but I've watched Georgia pretty thoroughly this these first six or so, seven or so weeks. I don't, I don't think Georgia's all that good. Gary, if I had to ask you, who do you think the best team in college football is? R- rankings be damned. Who would you say? Well, I, I'd, still, I'd still take Georgia right now. Um, I would, and I just... I might take Michigan. Well, Michigan's strong. Like I said, I mean, you can make a case for all of the teams. I And I hate to be that guy uh, sure. because I think that they're vulnerable. But I, right now, to me, until somebody beats Georgia, they're still they're still my number one. Sure. And I, I, the only reason I bring up Michigan is and normally when we look at these Big Ten teams, 
You know, they don't play their big games until Penn State, Ohio State at the end of the year, and there's something lacking in the roster. I think this is the most complete roster that Jim Harbaugh has had in Ann Arbor since he's been there. And sure, they've had really good defenses in the past, but J.J. McCarthy, man, that that's, that's the best Michigan quarterback I can remember since, oh, I don't know, Denard Robinson or maybe Chad Henney when he was back there. I mean, this kid's got a hose of an arm, and I know – Especially, I can speak for many SEC fans, because I don't get to watch as much Big Ten football as I did growing up, but I've made a concerted effort to flip on that, that uh, Ohio State and Michigan team this year because, man, I, I can't wait for Michigan-Penn State. I think that's going to be one of the better games of the year, and it might this might be the one year that I feel like the SEC doesn't have the top dog in the country. And again, we, we follow these teams. We watch them each and every single week, but I don't trust Carson Beck. Beck more than I trust Jalen Milrow right now. I just, I you know, Brock Bowers. I think the best player in the country in a year where the Heisman Trophy kind of doesn't have a, a front runner at this moment. I think that kid should be invited to New York if nothing. Else. Oh, I don't but think there's any, do. any doubt. Yeah, I mean, he's the best in player. The second half against Auburn, gave, uh, Gary. He was he was sick. I mean, I, we've seen this last time we saw a tight end in the conference. This dude was Kyle Pitts, and he was good. This Brock Bowers is. Great. I wonder if he'll be a top five pick come uh, come March or April, May, whatever the draft is. Yeah, that Brock Bowers game against Auburn leads me to one of my favorite sayings that people have, and it's not just Auburn fans. It's it's you know, uh, Al, I heard it when Alabama had Derrick Henry. If they didn't have Derrick, you know, I heard Auburn fans. Well, if they didn't have Brock Bowers, we'd have won. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. That, that's that's why they got Brock Bowers. That's why too these bad teams, they do. That's, that's why these teams recruit these kind of guys, man. Yeah, if the '90s Bulls didn't have Michael Jordan, yeah. they might have been a fringe playoff. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the way it works. When you have a great player, it separates you from your competition. And, you know, so, I mean, I, I get it because Auburn would have won the game if Georgia didn't have Brock Bowers. But, unfortunately, they do for Auburn and everybody else that plays him because you're right, he's phenomenal. Yeah, it's it's a fantastic year. Uh, I, I'm with you. I think there's a lot of teams. Um, and, I'm listen, I, I'm not this – County, Michigan. I still can't figure out, even with the officiating, how they lost to TCU last year. But, but they are a, a serious contender. I think again, I think Florida State is. Uh, man, you have to you have to look at Oklahoma. What they were able to do beating Texas and and this matchup this weekend between Washington and Oregon. The winner there is a serious candidate. I think Penn State's hey, Gary, a dark horse. Can I give you one more team. Yeah, one more team that that I think should be taken seriously. And people just got to see them on the national stage for really the first time last week. But the job that Jeff Brom has done at Louisville, Unbeaten. I mean, yeah. if they played Florida State on a neutral field right now, like they very well might in the ACC championship game, I think there's a chance that they'd be favored. I mean, they brought in, I can't, I think next to Dion, they brought in any more transfers than any Power 5 team. And, I mean, they, they didn't just beat Notre Dame on that national televised game. They, they ragdolled it at the end. They were basically partying it up for the final quarter of that game. Now, I'm not telling you Louisville's going to the playoff. I'm just telling you, if you're watching that ACC where Clemson has fallen off and Florida State isn't looking all that convincingly in most of their victories this year, keep keep close, pay close attention to that Louisville team because with Miami with a loss in the conference now and with UNC about to play Miami, that Louisville team might just whistle their way into uh, the ACC championship game. And if they win that, good luck keeping them out. Oh, yeah, if they're undefeated and they win the ACC, they're, they're, they're going to go. I mean, I just... 
unless we have a bunch of undefeated teams. And, and this the, this will start working itself out here in the second half of the season. So we probably sure, won't. Sure, teams fin- are going to cannibalize. Yeah, yeah. Finally, uh, big game Tuesday night at, at Jacksonville State. You were there. Uh, what what Rich Rod's doing there with this program is phenomenal. And I mean, to move up into Conference USA this year, you're not even eligible for the conference championship, and you went into that game unbeaten in the league and 10-10 at half. I guess just you know quarterback issues with injuries for JSU and the fact that Liberty's really good. It got away from there in the second half, 31-13, but it looked like that was a electric night over there in Calhoun County. Yeah, that was that the being on the field pregame for that seeing the field Burgess Snow field fill up. It was it was a really cool atmosphere. It was the first time I had ever covered a game out there uh at Jacksonville State, but ultimately two weeks in a row now they had had to overcome double digit point deficits. And then when Liberty comes in, Liberty's the class of Conference USA this year. Caden Salter, I believe, will be a pro, their quarterback over at Liberty. And they were lucky to have the game tied 10-10 at half because I thought Liberty was the better team from the get-go. Now, Rich Rod uses the two-quarterback system, Zion Webb, who's a seventh-year senior there, and they brought in this kid, Logan Smothers, who is a transfer from Nebraska, and they've used both of them all year long. Rich Rod's been very adamant saying a two-quarterback system can work. Unfortunately for him, both his quarterbacks get hurt. They have to bring in this Ashton Fry kid, really tall, strong-looking kid. But uh, man, he had a uh, he had a tough night uh, once they had to insert him in the game in the third and fourth quarter. And ultimately, uh, Liberty was able to run away with it with some really back-breaking drives. I think they had a six and a half, seven-minute drive early in the fourth quarter where they really killed some clock. And I think the final score was 31-13. So. Again, Jacksonville State, all things considered, they've already over-exceeded expectations their first year in FBS. But uh, when they run up to the class of the conference like Liberty, they they found out real quick that they're not quite at that level yet. But, man, Rich Rudd's offenses are fun to watch. They're fast, and they're only going to get better. It was a great night. Yeah, great stuff, Johnny. I know we catch you on ABC 3340, but why don't you give out the uh, Twitter, our Twitter, I guess, X. Oh, X yeah. handle. The old condensation. The old, yeah, I still say Twitter, Gary. It's no big deal. Condensation, C-O-N-G-D-O-N-S-A-T-I-O-N. It's the worst pun going. Uh, I think I made my Twitter account in seventh grade, and I'm not changing it anytime soon. <laughs> Thank you, Johnny. Gary, have a good one. Thanks, man. Yeah, appreciate it. All right, 1053 here on the Gary Harris Show. And... um let me uh, mention to you my friends uh, over at Innisfree, and I know Friday's at the free with Matt and Lars. They're there live, but uh, I went in the other day for the meet and three. Hadn't had it in a while. Lucky to catch my favorite Mexican lasagna on the menu this week. Absolutely delicious and enjoyed every bite. Yeah, they got a great meet and three in addition to all the, of course, you know, nighttime entertainment that they have with uh, just one of Tuscaloosa's top hangout plates, places. Don't forget that meet and three, though, at Innisfree Irish Pub downtown on University Boulevard, or kind of halfway between downtown and the Strip. All right, we'll be back to wrap up uh, this edition of the Gary Harris Show right after this. Catch Christian and Corey Miller every weekday here on Tide 100.9. Tomorrow, coming up on the Miller's Edge, we'll continue to give you the keys to the game. We'll break down Arkansas coming here for homecoming to take on the Tide. We'll break that down. Plus, we love to take it to the people, 205-342-9904. What say you? Will the Tide keep it rolling? That's tomorrow on the Miller's Edge. Tune in 11 to noon to hear Christian and Corey Miller break down everything from college to the pros on Tide 100.9, the home of Alabama sports. 
As much as Innisfree has evolved, it will always be that place to escape and have a good time. Whether it's for a game day weekend, to reminisce on college days, or to create new memories, if you're looking for a good time, there's only one thing to do. Head to the free at 1925 University Boulevard. And don't forget about the Lucky Lunch Meat and 3 Special, Monday through Friday from 11 a.m. until 2 p.m. Get a meat and 3 vegetables for just $8.49. Or for a lighter appetite, try the Lucky Lunch Soup, Salad, or Sandwich Combo. I'll see you at the free. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. The sky mostly cloudy today, although we might see a few intervals of sunshine this afternoon. The high 72. Tonight and tomorrow, mostly cloudy with a chance of widely scattered showers. The low tonight, 60. The high tomorrow at 73. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 65 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Alabama fans are all over the world, and we are too. Download the Tide 100.9 app right now in the App Store and Google Play, and take the Crimson Tide everywhere you go. All right, 1058, time flies when you're having fun. That's going to do it for the Thursday edition of the Gary Harris Show. This hour has been brought to you by Patterson Comer Attorneys at Law. Back tomorrow morning for the TGIF edition. We're going to have a lot of fun, including our T-Town Menswear, T-Town Gallery, Bama Football Trivia Contest. We're going to be giving away that Steve Skipper autographed uh, print of Eddie Lacy against Notre Dame. The National Championship game signed by Eddie as well, numbered as well. Going to be another special Friday right here on the Gary Harris Show. For Justin Jones, I'm Gary Harris. Thanks for listening, everybody. Stay uh, tuned to Tide 100.9 FM and 1230 AM at WTBC all day for more great sports talk, including the Miller's Edge, coming up next. I'll talk to you again in the morning. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to The Gary Harris Show on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app.